Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. And here we are, the RV Navigators, on... The night before New Year's Eve. No, this is New Year's Eve. It is New Year's Eve. Yes. Not the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature is stirring. Not even... You've been driving too much. You've oh, lost track of time. Geez. Well, we are here. Wherever it is, we're here. And the tradition has it that your RV navigators make the podcast moments before the New Year strikes. And this is... Sipping champagne while the listeners are in enthralled with the exciting news that they have to share. And this has created a great dilemma. Do we make the podcast early while our minds are sharp and then have the are champagne ever sharp? at midnight? Or do we open the bottle of champagne with you? It's New Year's someplace in the world right now. After a bottle of champagne, I'll be ready to go to bed at 9 p.m. Okay. So... It's it's coming up on 2015. Will you grant me that? Oh, yes. It's yeah. New Year's Eve. No it's doubt New, about New, it. And, and we're celebrating with the RV Navigator podcast listeners. Our family, yes. So, here it goes. I've got the champagne in my uh-huh. hand. No and towel. And here goes the cork. No towel. No towel. It'll go all over the microphone. Yeah. Oh, oh. <gasps> Great sound. Great sound. Good job. Okay. And here we are. Please celebrate with us. Cheers. Cheers. That's mine. Okay. Now the navigator. Looks good in our plastic wine glasses. Hey, we're in an RV. (laughs) What else do we need? So we have an agenda for this evening, but uh, we'll click. (laughs) Plastic. In stereo, no less. Mm. But this has been, December has been a great month. It sure has. Not only are we now in Florida, while the rest of the country is freezing their gizzards, gizzards. (laughs) and back in Chicago, it's uh, single digits, cold, and even Arizona, where we went last year, it's really cold right now. Below freezing. But right here, we actually had our air. We actually had to turn the air conditioner off in order to make the podcast. What a shame. (sighs) Mm -mm. Champagne steak for dinner. Life is good. But we don't have any place to go. We've been we did put in quite a few miles on the old motorhome. Yeah, you've today. been driving hard the last four days to get down here. Twelve hundred miles or so in order to get down here. But the big news is that we only own one motorhome. Oh. What a relief! Unbelievable that in the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, when I almost didn't put an ad up to sell it, because I thought, oh, that's such a short time. And And people are busy with the holidays, and it's cold and ugly in Chicago. But we got a call from a... Actually, we got about three serious serious calls um, about our motorhome right after and just before Thanksgiving, uh, which is amazing to me that that people would be buying you know it was winterized it's cold i don't know and we did indeed finally sell it to someone in our those of you on the (laughs) another unbelievable story (laughs) those of you on the google plus page you know already that it has been sold but for those of you who are only listening on the podcast then you will be hearing this for the first time you no longer will hear us moaning and groaning moaning and groaning about owning two rvs because uh 
we sold it. And we got a decent price, I think, uh, certainly much better than what the dealer was offering us on a trade-in. And we sold it to a very nice guy who actually gave us very little <laughs> pushback on, on any part of the sale. A, a brand new RVer. We know that some of you are contemplating buying new RVs or have never RVed before, and this guy had a, has a lot to learn. He has yes. camped before, but not in a long time not and a long not time. in a motorhome. Retired two months ago. And yeah. was ready to go full-timing. Luckily, his wife seemed ready to. And this is something that we've read about people doing. And we've even on the IRV2 posts, there are people who just decide this is the time and I'm going to do it. And they buy a motorhome and away they go. And he was going to buy a trailer to to put his car into and his motorcycle motorcycle. take off uh, in February. So... I hope everything works. And you've spent a lot of time with him trying yes. to explain to him all the various systems and how they work. And I would imagine... But I couldn't show him a lot of stuff because it was inoperational because it's cold. And I would imagine that your cell phone will ring in February mm. as he starts to get more serious about things. If nothing else, then it's an awful lot to remember, especially if you've never done it before. Exactly. Well, we think it's in good shape, and we hope that uh, they have able to put many fun miles on as we did because it was a great motorhome. And frankly, I'm a little disappointed about having to sell it. And maybe we'll see them in a campground near us. Wow. Sometime. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, you know, and we're going to see many of you, it looks like. Uh, I've been getting quite a few emails uh, telling us that you're going to be at the Tampa Super Show, and we will be there with our new motorhome uh, camped in the field, uh, hooked up uh, with the 30-amp generator power that they provide uh, for the entire show. And uh, we are hoping to see many of you. And I've had several emails from people who are going to be there and are planning to come and say hi. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. We'll have lots of uh, visitors and uh, keep ourselves occupied. Although at this moment, we have no real firm plans. But we have lots of things to buy at the Tampa Super Show. Now that you're rich. Because one thing you put down here was dealing with the finance company that the buyer used. Well, you know, we were kind of worried about how to handle this sale. The bureaucracy. The bureaucracy. And just for those of you who are a little bit hesitant about buying a motorhome, (laughs) one of the things that we learned uh, from this buyer is is that he only put 10% down cash and that he borrowed the rest. And on a 12-year-old or 11-year-old motorhome, that seems like uh, a major... Well, there's not much collateral there, shall I say, and that it would be hard to borrow that uh, that amount of money, but apparently you can uh, on a motorhome. And that I've had a couple of other people have called me and said that oh, my bank was just never wouldn't going to, would, yeah, and they wouldn't finance anything that was 10 years old. And you have to find a specialty lender that will lend you the money. And this, we dealt with a company in California. This was actually good for us because we didn't know exactly how to transfer the money. He brought his down payment to us. A pile of cash. Let me have some more champagne and burp. (laughs) I told you this was a mistake. Mm -mm. The most incoherent podcast we've made since one year ago tonight. But we usually do it in the calm of the afternoon. And here we're actually doing it on the eve of the new month. And in this case, the new year and everything. So we dealt with the finance company, and they uh, we took care of uh, the money. He came and brought his 10% and gave it to us in cash, which we put immediately into the bank. And then the finance company handled all of the paperwork details. And 
you know, we were a little reluctant to take checks, and and so they wired the money to us, and we still feel that that's the, by far the best way. It cost us a few bucks from the our bank, and I assume their bank There's too. Too, but it was secure. But it was secure, right? And the money came very quickly. And the finance company said, when you, the seller, are satisfied that all of the criteria have been met in terms of the selling process, then send us the title. And they took care of the license plate transfer and yeah. the, the bureaucracy of it. That we And they made sure that all the forms were signed. We could signed have broke our way through it, especially since our buyer lived in our town and lived in our state. But still, it was nice having someone who knew how to do this. Right, and, and took care of this uh, th- these details. So it was better than just a individual transaction. I felt that there was somebody kind of interceding. And they seemed to be quite helpful for on both ends and wanted us to be satisfied and wanted him to be satisfied. And I, we were very satisfied, I think. And I suppose it's his problem more than theirs, although they will be holding the title for the foreseeable future. Like, no one inspected it or made sure that it was a viable piece of equipment? Yeah, Yeah, there was no uh, attempt on the lender's part to do any sort of verification, other than the title was clean. Yeah, that surprised (laughs) me. And that took a little bit of uh, extra transaction. Our motorhome had listed on the title that it had a Volvo engine, which, of course, it doesn't. We have no idea where that came from. Well, we found out that it was a typo typo from the state of Illinois. It never really bothered us, but it certainly bothered the lender, lender and we had to get the title reissued. And we had noticed this when we first got the title after we paid off the note, but it would have cost us $150 (laughs) from the lovely state of Illinois to remedy this little error. So we said, who cares? And then the finance company did care. So we had to send it in and get it fixed. Yeah, but it didn't cost us anything. Right. They had the, the strings that they could pull to make this happen. Uh, because the state actually, unbelievable, have you ever heard of a, a state ag- admitting a mistake? But yes, they did. And so they reissued the title correctly. It gave us a little bit of nervous fright, but everything worked out okay. So we sent them the nice clean title, and they now are the proud owners of a 2004 Dutch Star tan. If you see it on the road, wave. Well, it actually was gone. Yeah. One day it, we went it over before we did. One, one day we went over to the parking lot and it was gone. So where it is right now, we, we don't may never know. See it we again. may never see it again, right? But we're sure that it's going to have a good life. And we are, of course, in our new motorhome, which is on its uh, pretty much of its maiden long trip, and we have spent a little bit of time in it uh, up until now. But after twelve hundred miles, we are now. Uh, <laughs> Fluent in DEF and all of the idiosyncrasies that come with a new motorhome. You know, the stuff just doesn't fit where it used to fit. And even though we've got it all put away, yes. we can't remember where we, we have put compla- it. We have complained fairly significantly about this lack of space, but it does have a lot of space, and we it's did get everything in different space. Just different. It was so, located in different areas. So every time I make dinner, I have to open all the cabinets to figure out where I hid oh. this stuff from us, and and we'll get better. It just yeah. takes time. So as planned, we decided to leave a couple days after Christmas, but our plans always are flexible because we always have to look at the weather down the road, which we found at this time of year is very critical. And if we've been going out to Arizona this year, we see snow in Southern California. Wow. And along our route in Oklahoma. Yeah, all sorts of places. And And bitter cold. We don't want to get into that. So uh, this year, though, Florida looked good, and so we did leave. Um two days after Christmas after bringing the motor home and packing it up in the cold and oof 
So we're pet- patting ourselves on the shoulder for guessing right, because this was by far the least weathersome drive we have ever had. Uh, clean, dry highway nearly the entire way from our home to southern Florida, where we are now. Yeah. We didn't have to, have to get any propane this year, because this RV is all electric and has no propane. We have this uh, Oasis heating system. And... We like it, I think, don't we? We've kind of decided that we're going to try out the heat pumps and the Oasis to see which one we like best for heat. Although at the moment we have the air conditioners. <laughs> but on the way down here, of course, we were using the Oasis heater. Because in our old rig, it was not a decision. It was propane if you wanted to use the furnace. and for, for cold weather, you had to use the... Heat pumps the, when we had the power and right. it wasn't too cold. Exactly. But with the... Oasis running off of diesel, and it's more of a home-style forced air type of furnace system, which we actually, I think, are going to appreciate. One of the things that's happening, I think, in the RV world is is that as more and more people get residential fridges and as the RVs generally become more home-like, exactly, you're going to have these Oasis type of heating systems, and they are now making an Oasis that uses propane. Now, that may not seem like a real revolution, but up until now, Oasis have used primarily diesel, which means you cannot have it in a trailer. trailer. But using propane means that they now have systems that they can install in a any, either a fifth wheel or a travel trailer, and there are some big advantages to that. And what would those be? That you can have... <laughs> Heat ducts all, testing her. all over the place, not just off and that why is that? line. Because the heat comes from water pipes. Right. That can go everywhere. Oh, she's almost got it, exactly. So there's a water jacket that the, the fresh water flows through to get be heated, so you have unlimited hot water, and at the same time, they pass air over it so that the air gets warm and it goes to registers mm-hmm. so like in your house right so there are hot water lines that go to individual registers around your rv so you can put registers where you couldn't have them in the past because they had to have ducting they kind of just had the they have the registers just in a line along a ductwork. there's no fan there would be a of course there's a fan but it's loud and one big fan each one of our registers has its own fan because it's quieter therefore you can turn these fans on and off it's mm-hmm. quieter mm-hmm. and you can adjust the heat much more accurately plus the fact that all of the registers are putting out air that's the same temperature with a forced air system you're going to have registers registers at the end of the line that'll be cooler, that'll be cooler. Plus the fact they might not have as much air as they should. And frankly, at the end of the line is where you need it most. So we have one a register in the dash, which is impossible to do, and several others, none in the floor per se. Does this take up less room than... That's a real good question because you're, you're getting rid of the 10-gallon water heater and the big thing that was the furnace which used to be under our refrigerator, <laughs> and you're replacing it with a water jacket system. And how so that's, that's, and, and the, this system needs no uh, external porting. And how is this to winterize as compared to the... Well, because there's no tank. There's no, you just drain the water out, put in antifreeze, and you're done. And no hot water heater. No hot water heater. And... I think we have found pretty much that there is an unlimited amount of water. And it also runs off of electric if you want it that way, too, so you can take advantage of the free, quote-unquote, electricity at campgrounds. 
So it's got some big advantages, and we will be seeing them more and more in trailers, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the coming it's kind thing? Of, well, it's kind of an Is upper end. higher end? It's a higher end feature yeah, for yeah. most motorhomes, and it hasn't, uh, it, it's just now becoming popular. Oasis is just one of the brands. Now, we looked at a friend, uh, the RV Dreams people have been testing a on-demand water heater, which works in a similar way, but it only provides hot water. It made me think of the ones you see in Europe that yeah, hang yeah. on the wall. That oh, you yeah, just yeah. turn exactly. it on and you hear the flame go, Kalumba! And yeah. then the hot water comes out. Yeah, exactly. But it was $1,200. We had a 10-gallon water tank in our motorhome, and we had a hard time running it out of water. Yeah, it's just frankly. the two I mean, it was of us, plenty. and we're not real long shower people. Yeah, but, but you could. Yeah, fine. but yeah, it recovered quickly, and with both electric and propane, it was uh, it was quite a nice system. <laughs> and I and I'm much cheaper. Although we were surprised when it came to to actually replacing that water heater or making some replacement parts in it. Uh, that that water heater cost about six hundred dollars, and it was a problem to us at the time because the hole that the mm. tank would have come out of was smaller than the tank. Yeah, and so how to cut it up and get it out? It was just a nightmare. So we didn't do that. And of course, the new ones don't have that anode. Is that what that's called? Right. That has to be replaced yeah, but, every so often. But yeah. you tell me, as the person who does all the work, <laughs> that it's, it's not, not that big of a deal. No, it's a 15-minute job. I mean, that's not a big deal. But, I mean, you got to remember to do it, but it's not really a big deal. Now, another thing on this motorhome that's new to you is the Comfort Drive. Now you've had thousands uh-huh. of miles to try it out, and people really rave about it. I know. People say they trade in their motorhome for it. I frankly cannot tell much difference between the way this motorhome drives and the other one. I like them both. They both drive nice. Uh, can you turn it on and turn it off, or is it just there? Well, you turn it up and turn it down. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can more or less turn it off. But I haven't... Do you have it set low so you don't know I have it's it set there? fairly low, but I've turned it up high, and I can't tell much difference. And having a tag, eh, huh. not worth the extra space that it takes up. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, yeah. it's back there because of the extra weight. Wait. And we haven't... We put in um, the DEF, and we haven't had to fill it, and it's still at three quarters, so... We don't guess, like it, but we'll deal with it. But the gas mileage has been good. Mm-hmm. We've been getting pretty good uh, over uh, close to nine miles a gallon on expensive old diesel. But, <laughs> wow, the price is ever low. <laughs> I mean, the stuff has come down. Staggering. When we're leaving home, regular gas was just a speck over $2 a gallon. And Unbelievable. We, we live in a high-tax state. Well, not as, not as high as here in Florida, though, because the gas down here is not a anywhere near $2 a yeah, gallon. a little more. But uh, diesel, I don't know why it's a whole dollar more. We read an article that tried to explain to us yeah, why. No, that's no explanation. Even after we read it, we didn't understand it very well. It seemed no. like... Less of the tank no prices based on whatsoever. diesel, and we're sense. in competition with heating home people in the winter, oh. and the tax structure is different. Well, winter diesel is more expensive than summer diesel, but... Bogus. Bogus, right. Usually, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 20% difference in price. But we have to say that we're glad that diesel costs less this year than it did last year, and we'll take it. It's a whole dollar less. That's yeah, we'll take gallon. it. There's no question about that. Now, our last podcast, we talked about holiday gifts. Did uh, you get everything you Christmas. wanted? Got things that I didn't even know I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but we came across some other new holiday gifts that we didn't get the information on in time for last month's podcast. Well, we so. didn't even know about them, so I didn't even have an idea of what I was going to get. So our friend Mike, who who you listened to in November, yes. um, put us on to a new collapsible hassock. 
everybody needs a hassock. Very slick. And you know whether you're, whether it's just for your sofa or for actually an easy chair. He's in a smaller rig than ours, and space is at a premium. And this hassock is a normal size. Put your feet on it when you're sitting there in your easy chair hassock, but it collapses down to almost nothing, and it looks Very real cool. styling. It kind of matches his upholstery, and it's cheap. Yes, even better. We're talking about twenty five bucks here. So if you need a hassock, that it, I think it opens up so you can store stuff in it, or you can collapse it down and put it away. Hey, that's the way to do it. So we'll put the link on the website, and thank you, Mike. You betcha. And anybody else who wants to send us good ideas, we are always glad to share. Hey, maybe we'll see it at the Tampa Super Show. Uh huh. Ooh, I'm looking for all sorts of great stuff. Santa brought you something that you really like that (laughs) serves no earthly purpose whatsoever. But it is very me. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'll put up a link to this, but I got, I don't even know how to describe. They're They're, black gloves with LEDs and the fingertips. fingertips. And they change LEDs in every fingertip. They change colors. And they have patterns. And they have a routine. Routines. And we went to those colors outside public lighting shows where the trees danced to the sound of the symphony and they were selling them there. Yeah. But Ken didn't know that Santa had already bought him a pair before (laughs) we even saw them. So you'll put up a picture. So So you go out at night and you wave your hands around and have a nice long exposure on your camera and you get these very mystical looking pictures. Too bad we're in Florida where you probably won't need to wear gloves for the next yeah, few well, months. Gloves are what a, little, a shame. But, hey, but I did bring them. I did remember to bring them. Good, so that's good, not, good. But another cool thing that I found was called uh, Instamorph. Instamorph. Now this is a very cool product. I've really wanted and, uh, and you're going to hear a nice report someday about me buying a 3D printer. If they have one in the International Space Lab then I need one, right? I don't think you're an astronaut. That's above your pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but a 3D printer would be very cool because but they, you're supposed to they be talking about Instamorph. You don't have a 3D. This is a poor man's. Very poor. <laughs> so this is a product which I haven't had a chance to use yet because it's like the gloves. I don't have anything to use it for, but it looks very cool. It comes in a jar and it's beads. Plastic looking white beads. Plastic beads. And. You take the beads and you put them into 140-degree water. Or maybe a little warmer. 140-degree water. And it turns into Clay, viscous. Clay, sticky, goopy and stuff. And then you take it out and you mold it into something that you want, a part, uh, a toy, whatever you want it to be. and then A bust it, of your wife? It, a, <laughs> you put it on the bust of your wife. <laughs> Make a bust of your wife. Oh, well, you could probably use... Oh, For okay. arts and crafts. Can we do that later on? <laughs> <laughs> Can we have arts and crafts later you said on? said you didn't know what to do with this stuff, so I'm trying to help you out. Oh, uh, well... <laughs> uh, okay. We don't want this to be X-rated, but yes, yes, you could use it to make a bust of your wife. <laughs> anyway, it turns transparent when it's in the water, and you take it out. The beads co- coagulate, and you take it out, and you have a few minutes to form it. And then when it's when it turns white again, it's solid, hard, and you can use a Dremel on it, or you could drill holes in it to make hooks out of it. Specialized pieces. If you don't like how pieces. it turned out, you can heat it up again and start over. Yeah. Very cool. Now, does that sound like a fun project, a fun product to have? Yes, indeed. So you can make a new bust of your next wife. A nude bust of... New. Nude. New. I like nude better. <laughs> a bust champagne. is a statue. I understand that, right. but it also has other, it has other connotations. Just want to be... You give the man a little champagne and he goes berserk. 
Okay. We've talked to you before about our concerns about campground water and mm. its cleanliness and what sorts well, of... water in parts of the country, Carcinogens and salts and sediments and, and, and quite frankly, the water in our hometown isn't all that wonderful either. No, and well, we, no we, we use reverse osmosis in our house all the time. And in our old rig, we had a nice reverse osmosis machine that I liked very much, but it always made me a little uneasy, especially when we used it out west because I had to run about seven gallons of water through it to get one gallon of drinking water, and I felt but, kind of bad about but, that. And one. it was a portable system. We've talked about this before, and if you refer back to some of the earlier podcasts, you can see pictures of it, but it was uh, hooked up to the faucet with a special little fixture, and we could take it on and off. So it wasn't a under-counter that had a tank. This one, we made water on demand and put it into containers and used it and then hooked it back up again to refill the containers. And it meant we had a lot of jugs sitting around because I would crank up the water when we had a good opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. And then when we were not on water from the pedestal, we just couldn't make any because it was it uses too much water. Right. And but it takes a fair amount of water pressure, too. The fact that we couldn't find um, a hardware attachment which would readily allow us to attach it to our faucets yes. here uh, made us look around for an alternative. And we ha- are beginning to try out a new little water distillation machine, uh, which wastes practically no water, but no. probably uses a lot of electricity to, Not that much, to distill no. the water. So there are two ways that you can find and get absolutely pure water. One is through RO, reverse osmosis, and two, which uses no heat, or two, through distillation. We never really thought about having a distillation machine. I didn't even know there were countertop distillers. I got but, the impression that some of these were made for, like, dental hygienists who had instruments to autoclave and clean in dental offices, that kind of job. Yeah, but this one certainly is not for that. No. So we spent about $150 and bought ourselves a portable countertop distiller that's yeah. an all-in-one unit. You put <laughs> you put the water in a tank, and you put a second tank on the side, and it Let spews it out the water. And so about every three hours, it puts out a gallon of water. At the most. It's kind well, of but slow. It's, in a day, you can get a few yeah. gallons, which is all we need. I yeah. mean, we only yeah. use it for drinking yeah. and things where we want to have pure water. So our initial reaction to this is that it will be an adequate substitute for our little osmosis machine. Uh, We may review it further, farther down the road, after we've had more chances to use it. Yes, and it's uh, very easy to use. It turns on, it makes a little bit of fan noise, because that's how it And it gives off heat. You might not like it in a hot day, because it puts heat out. Whereas the RO just took up a sink. But I suppose you could set it up outside and plug it into an outlet. It shuts off automatically. Outside your room. So it makes about a gallon at a time. Yeah. And, well, we're going to give it a try, see how, how it works. Because we come from Metro Chicago, we have gotten accustomed to the fact that it's very hard to drive anywhere you want to go without paying a toll. Um, Our part of the country is notorious for having little toll machines. In the olden times, you would have to have the correct change and pull up to a bin and throw the coins in, and lines would lengthen as people were taking their time to do this, digging around in their pockets for their coins. And so our beloved Tollway Authority came up with 
with what in Illinois is fondly called the I-Pass. And this is a transponder well, that you stick on your windshield and load up with your credit card information on an online account. And there are special lanes that you can zip through 90 miles an hour and the information <laughs> Shh, don't say that too connects long. <laughs> with your transponder and deducts whatever it is you owe them for that trip down the highway. This is called Easy Pass. And in Illinois, they motivated us to buy these machines not only because it makes the drive faster, but because they charge us less per pass than if you use coins. So what we are doing to those of you who don't live in Illinois and come to visit us is we are charging you twice as much as we charge ourselves. If you pay with cash, but if you have an easy pass from any state... It works fine in Illinois, as well as most of the Northeast. That's when I really fell in love with our iPass machine, because we could use it successfully all the way to Maine. Um, Every state that we went through on that route that had a tollway, we wouldn't have to stop. We wouldn't have to worry about how much it costs. I didn't really want to know how much it costs, since (laughs) we're driving a a motorhome with a double axle and towing the toad. So now we are... In Florida, the iPass is persona non grata. And mm. so we found out that we Ooh, could. That? Those are big words. We could buy an alternative uh, to our beloved iPass for five dollars, and establish an online account and load it up just like we do at home. But this is like a decal that you stick on your windshield, and you can't move it from car to car as we can with our machine at home. Florida does have the portable ones too, but they cost twenty dollars and we're too cheap, so we didn't buy one. Well, we only have the motorhome that we're going to use on the tow. We hope, uh, unless we go on the tollway with our Jeep, which we don't intend to do, but you never know. So today was our first chance trying out our new Sun Pass. On the Florida Turnpike. And it seemed to work just fine. There were places where human beings kept an eye on us, and you could see the machine register as we came through. And supposedly, without any information from us, it knows how long our rig is, how many axles. It knows that we're towing a Jeep. Which is not true in Illinois. It charges us accordingly. Yeah, we're going to have to wait and see how that works out. But they don't have the the high-speed... Toll lanes like we yeah, have like we have. You can go. You through, have to go through at twenty five miles an hour. Yeah, at home we can go through. As and fast actually go as through what looks like a toll driving. booth. You don't have to stop, but you. And it certainly has saved in Illinois with congestion where people are slowing down to pay because yeah. we can just drive through at normal speed. So we'll see how this works. Sun Pass and Sun Pass apparently works in other states too, and not just uh, Florida? in Florida. So oh, we'll have, we'll to, have wait to try and see. it out. We're going to refer to another website, RVT, which is RVTrader.com. I was surprised that. <laughs> Our motorhome actually sold via an ad from Craigslist. I was hesitant about putting it on Craigslist because I don't know. You don't it feels find, sleazy. Well, there are not a lot of other motorhomes like ours, but that's what the ad sold. But we did get a response from RVT, my ad on RVT, as well as RV Trader, which are two different websites, even though the names are very similar. But RVT is uh, asking you to review your. RV. And this seems like a really good idea. Where do you go to read reviews of RVs that owners own? And we certainly enjoy reading the reviews of other people like on TripAdvisor who tell us whether an experience was good, a hotel was good, a restaurant was good. You feel like these are people who are writing these reviews who have no agenda just based on their own experience. Well, they did, they did, there is ownership here because they didn't buy the vehicle. Tell from our podcast, we like to just talk about our own experience. (laughs) 
And yes. so the RV... Especially on New Year's Eve. RV T-Site will allow you to do the same thing for the rig that you own and are using. Right. So our 2004 will probably put a review up there and make a comparison to the 2012. That'll be an interesting idea to see how that uh, transforms uh, the reviewing world in the R- for RVs. Well, you get a lot of emails from people who are thinking yeah. about buying this or that rig, and you certainly are not an expert on all the rigs that are out there. So it's good to to hear and see the reactions of people who are using these products. You know, the more I talk about stuff on this podcast, the more people send me emails about where did I talk about it or which podcast did I talk about it and what was the model number and blah, blah, blah. Oh, about my stuff. God. I actually get more emails about that than almost anything else. That's a nightmare to, to catalog. Yeah. Lord knows we're too old to remember when we said what. And we've got over 100 podcasts now. I know, and there's no way to get a transcription. But I would like to let our listeners know about using Google to search the RV Navigator. And I'm going to have to be a little bit more uh, aware of this, that I make sure that when I do the monthly show notes that I include words in the descriptions about the products that I talk about and not just pictures. So like metadata so it can search. Kind of, yeah. Uh So the bottom line is is that you can search any specific domain very easily. Now by domain I mean like a .com or a .net or a .org. You can search anybody's website and just search just that website through Google. And that's uh, maybe not something that's very obvious, but you, the way you do this is by putting in rvnavigator.com in the search box, colon, and then your search terminology. So somebody asked me about my wireless hard drive. Or a product we talked about. A product about. that we talk about. Right. So you would put in rvnavigator.com, colon, wireless hard drive whatever it is you're searching for. And if I have used those words on one of the show notes web pages, you'll get a hit. So that's what you've been using to answer people's emails because you don't know when you talked about it either? No, most of the time people are asking me specifically about what the model is, and I just remember. But, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good search engine myself. Yes, you are. I don't have to go back and look at our... Webpage, but I use that to search other people's websites. Uh-huh. When I when I'm specifically something has you know drags my memory, and I want to go back and look at it, and I know that the website is, but I just can't remember where, exactly where it is. It where, yeah, uh-huh. so you have to understand that what Google does is that they index words on web pages, but it has to be words. They can't index images. Images words in images. Can you put meta tags on the images? Good question. I'm not sure if I can do that using the web tool that I'm using to create the pages. Mm. But if I put it into the text, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to find Mm -hmm. You'll at least get to the right episode, and you can then go back and listen to it. So uh, that's just a little hint. I'm also going to be setting up, well, how's our Wi-Fi here? Now that we are in Florida and we are going to be at this campground for two weeks. The (laughs) Wi-Fi was Excellent on this the is site that they put us on. Unfortunately, our satellite dish could not connect to the satellite on the site that they put us on. Due to trees. The palm fronds were waving a little bit in front of it, <laughs> and we couldn't make the connection. So they very kindly moved us 
two campsites farther Which is away from our office. 100 feet, maybe, or less. And we now have a pretty good connection for our satellite dish, and we have totally lost the Wi-Fi. I am so frustrated. Right. So, in order to solve that problem, in the back of the of the Jeep, I have a Wi-Fi Rogue, which is a Wi-Fi extender, which I'm going to install quickly. Immediately. Immediately. Oh. <laughs> Before you put up the RV Navigator. I have to go up now? Yes. In, in, in the middle of the night? Yes. With New the, Year's Eve, I'm up there. Bottle of champagne in one hand and the RV Rogue in the other hand. And we will give you a full report next month, but I've had good reports from others. Uh, that's how I make my decisions. And so this product will take Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi signals and amplify them. And I think last month we talked a little bit about this and about the fact that you're whispering and the other end is shouting. And, and I think we see, we see that happening right here because we have lots of bars on the incoming signal. But I think our outgoing signal to the access point is not strong enough. So I'm not getting anything back. It's so frustrating. Well, the satellite works okay, though. I can walk to the building and get it, but... It's nice to just do it in the comfort of your own home as part of that residential experience. So I'm trying to decide how to install this on the roof, but I will be doing that in the near future. You'll have a full report Even though we didn't talk about this Christmas gift, Ken gave himself a new Christmas gift because he found someone who inadvertently wanted to buy his (laughs) old camera. And you can't turn that down. No, can at all. Just say, would I, would you like to sell me your blah blah blah? And he always <laughs> says yes, and then he buys a new blah blah blah. So, and I always sell it at much lower prices than I should. You're a sucker. So I have a Sony RX100 pocket camera, which I use a lot of the time when I am just want to do snapshots. It's very nice to have a camera in your pocket. And I would like to recommend that if you're looking at cameras, that you make sure that your camera has an electronic viewfinder. You know, looking at this LCD in the back of your camera is just not good for good photography i and bet a lot of the young folks that listen camera. to us don't even know what you mean by a viewfinder well the one of the reasons why i still use a digital slr is because it has that nice big a little up. hole you can put your eye up to Oh, that's the that's the definition of a view. Well, okay. and you're looking through the lens. is a nice big bright optical viewfinder. It has the LCD on the back, but I see digital SLR people holding their camera up and using that thing on the back. I just don't understand that. But anyway, uh, you want to take a look at an electronic viewfinder, which is a very small little TV screen on the inside of the camera that you put your eye up to the camera, and it shuts off the display on the back and it turns on the eye display so that you can use it when it's bright outside. It has all the same information that the LCD on the back is, but you hold it up to your face. I had a camera that had an electronic viewfinder maybe seven or eight years ago, and it was terrible. It was like looking into a paper bag in the closet, and it didn't help me at all. But this one is very bright Bright. and sharp. Yes, although I haven't had a chance to really use it (laughs) in bright sun because we have not had very many bright sunny days. But I'm anticipating that this is going to be a major advancement, and it's the, it's so nice and small as a camera and has all the features that I'm looking for. It does great HDRs and and has a great lens in it, a 1.8 zoom lens. Not zoomy enough. Not zoomy enough. She has a Sony, which is a nice camera, but it's with a nice super long lens on But I went for the quality. And I do. A one-inch sensor. 
I do lust after your viewfinder because I end up taking pictures that are much more wide angle than I need them to be and cropping them once I see the image yeah. that I really want to take a picture yeah, of. Yeah, I certainly understand That's that. It's frustrating. Yes, it is. Okay, so some of the other things that maybe maybe we'll just put these on the website. We have talked for an extended period of time, and New Year's Eve is coming up very quickly here on the East Coast. Of course, we saw the fireworks in Australia. So, Al, we know that you've had... <laughs> Ahead of us, as always. The, the Sydney Bridge has has already had its fireworks. Quite a show. Quite a show, but we get to see that uh, in the afternoon for us. But uh, New York is coming up for us very soon. So maybe we'll um, put off some of these things until next month. But seven famous people who love RVs. Nice article. Are they just... Things that you want to go to our website to read. Or... Are they more than just people who are musicians who are using their... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Robert De Niro. Really? He's an RVer. And Brett Michaels. Yes, we know he's an RVer. He has that TV show. And we will see you at the Tampa Super Show that we are coming up to. We'll have lots of on-the-spot reporting. Maybe we can interview some of you for the next (gasps) podcast. Mm, That'd be very exciting. But for now... We will clink our glasses. One more sing time. Old Lang Syne. And fade off into 2015 as the transition takes place. And we will see you in the Tampa Super Show parking lot at a campsite near us. Good luck, good health, and happy travels. Indeed. For 2015. We have several more years of RVing to go. We hope. We hope. <laughs>